Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible. Signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. This is a production of ITM Media. Hello to all the Marble Heads out there and in the Marbles Nation. I am Matt Beamer alongside Preston Lude for episode 90 of In the Marbles. Got a great show in store for us today. Chris Hacker is going to be on the show. Arca Series driver, maybe trying to get into the Gander Outdoor Truck Series here sooner rather than later. But an up-and-coming driver nonetheless. We're going to have him on the show here in a few minutes talking about his life and racing career up to this point. Young guy, too. 21, man. Yeah. Very young guy. But very excited about that. It's, it's going to be on in a couple of minutes. But Preston, how was Tennessee, man? It was good. Uh, it doesn't feel like you go for a lo- Okay, so we were there for, I think, six days. That's a long time vacation. It is, but it didn't really feel like it because, like I was telling you before, we were doing stuff like every single day. So, like, the day was pretty much full. And then by the time you come back at night, you're just like, oh, you just hang out. Hit up the hot tub at the cabin or something, and the next day you're doing something else. I mean, we Man. were doing something, th- but like, it just it didn't to me. It didn't feel like much of a vacation because I, I guess it's that time of year where people are starting to go on vacation since it's close to summertime. Because right. like Pigeon Forge and Gatlinburg were just every day. If you drove into Pigeon Forge in the morning, you were sitting in traffic oh, going yeah. into town, and it was just like, why? And then if you we like a couple of days we went into downtown Gatlinburg, and it's just like. Oh, it's packed there. There was just, you could not see, find an open spot on the sidewalk, it seemed like. There were just so many people crossing everywhere. And it was just like, my wife was like pointing out, hey, check out that, check out this. And I'm like, I can't because I have to focus in front of me because <laughs> I'm afraid I'm going to hit somebody because people are just crossing everywhere. Yeah, we, we went there in March, remember? We went to Bigfoot Philly yeah. Cheesesteak. Did you hit that up? Uh, no, but I found this beef jerky. Is, is it because of my review of Philly Cheesesteak? Yeah, it was. Bigfoot? I mean, it was okay, but um, actually, you know what? Let me pull out my card because I fe- So there's this place in Pigeon Forge. At, um, there's like this outdoor kind of like a mall, almost like a tanger, but it's called The Island. 
I don't know if you ever heard of it. It's in Pigeon Forge. So the was, island was that by the NASCAR track thing? Uh, I don't know. It's uh, it's a I've, when you I've, get into Pigeon Forge, it's like two miles down on the right. I don't know. Dude. Yeah, it's it's this cool place, outdoor place. But there's this beef jerky outlet place. It's just called Beef Jerky Outlet on the island in Pigeon Forge, and it's not a sponsor yet. No, but this guy wants me to send a. Um, a patch from the department to them because they have all these patches from police departments Aww. and fire departments. I thought you were going to say from in the morning. I was like, that's really cool. And then no, you say, but, oh, okay. no, but I'm going to go back and see them when I go back there in a couple weeks because they have some really good beef jerky there. Like a bag was like 20 bucks and like you can eat the bag within like five minutes. But like, oh, let wow. me tell you what, it was some like that better great, be the best beef jerky. I, for tell you what, I didn't have to chew a lot of it at all. I mean, like it was just like, so just like, right. Oh my God. It was, but the guy's name is Bruce Parker. He's the owner. But I, you know, I got a Bruce ten like percent discount for being a first responder. But wow. I mean, like, really cool guy. Like, I'm definitely gonna go back and like, you know, maybe talk to him, see if he's into racing and all that. But like, he, I was yeah. wearing one of my firefighting jackets. It just has like, it wasn't yeah. the department one. It was the other one. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. And he about. was just like, "Yo, ten percent off because I see your jacket." And I was like, "Oh, thanks, man. Like, okay, cool." But like, that's cool. Let me some see of that. the coolest, like, the beef jerky is really good. Like. It's expensive, but like it's really good stuff. It's really worth it, huh? Oh yeah, trust me. It's, oh, he's a retired uh, cop. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So it was really, really good stuff. So that was. Yeah. yeah. See if he's into racing, man, and we'll, we'll yeah, give I, you a sticker and have yeah, him go absolutely. down with that. It was uh, like I said, that was probably one of the highlights of the trip was discovering that beef Neat. turkey place because that was some good stuff. I ate it on the way home. I was like, why didn't I buy more? Because I thought it was just so expensive. I was like, man. This kid, this is too good to be true to be this expensive, but like, it was. Uh, I got the honey barbecue flavor, and it was just. Ooh, honey buddy. barbecue! That's was, the way to I go. I was along for the ride, but yeah, you know. Other than that, it was just we did hiking. We went to um, the Dollywood Water Park. Okay, which we were there. Dollywood like, was all, closed when we went. Oh uh, no, they were open. We just hit up the water park, and it was. You know, it was weird. I checked the weather before going to Tennessee. Yeah. And it was like, oh, it's going to be like in the 80s every single day. But when we got there, every day it barely hit 75. So, like, the water park, if you got the water, it was cold. It was like needles shooting up through your legs. Did you go to the Titanic Museum? Thought about doing it, but you had to purchase tickets in advance. Yeah. And it was kind of like almost like a last minute thing. We thought about doing it, but then we didn't. But like I, so we passed it and I was like, that looks pretty cool. Have you done it before? You obviously didn't listen to me at all when we, we talked about our I don't trip remember. There. I don't remember you talking about it. We did it. that in the Alcatraz. I did see the Alcatraz thing. That was thing. cool. That looked pretty cool. That was neat. Yeah. I think next time I need to do some of that. But I mean, just that. I said the hiking. Oh, golfing. Golfing was nice. Yeah. Golfing's always fun. Except for the back nine. Yeah. Because, like, they get you on the front nine. It was nice and open. And then when you get to the back nine, you get into the hills and everything. And oh. then you start losing balls everywhere. So and Maybe we should make some in the marble golf balls and golf bags. Whoa. Well, one day. <laughs> one day. <laughs> one day. So we're going to hit the ground running here. What do you think is up first before our interview and talk with Chris Hacker? And I got a few good ones here, I think. Okay. Let's hear the first one. The first one. With the all-star race this weekend in Texas. Did NASCAR miss an opportunity to debut the Gen 7 car? Okay, yes and... Well, yeah, I think I, so. I say yes. But I, I say yes, but then again, I say no because they're so far behind on it. I say they're not far behind on it. If they've already previewed the cars, I think they should have had time to have the teams who are at least locked in and maybe the guys in the open. This would have been a good... This is what to expect from the 
next or next year. I mean, car. we have seen in previous times that the Ulster race kind of is like one of those it things where you can big, throw some stuff in there. Big just test to see session. What it Remember does. a few years ago they put restrictor plates on the cars at Charlotte, and that, that was, was some of, that was like one of my most favorite ones. Of course, that races. was a, when you saw that you think that oh that's going to be like a precursor to the low horsepower package and thinking that's what it's going to be like every race, and it turns out it's not. However, I feel that this was a missed opportunity by NASCAR. This was one of those things where if they planned it out better, they would have gotten the teams that and say, come here for the all-star race at Texas. On top of that, the first race, it's unofficial, but the mm-hmm. first race for the Gen 7 car, those stands would have been packed. Yeah. Those stands probably, would have been packed. You're right. They probably would because it would again, new car. It would have given teams a chance to go, to go, okay, what do we expect from this next year at Daytona? It would have given, given teams a chance to do that, especially teams in the race itself, to go out there and be the first winner of it. Okay. I think it would. I think it's a missed opportunity for them. Okay, I like that. That was so. Uh, that was question yeah. That one. was really good. Yeah, I like yeah. that. I like that. So, second one I got for you. We saw a great race in this weekend at the straight course at Baku. Ah, yeah, Azerbaijan in Formula One, Azerbaijan Grand Prix, and I don't know if you caught it, the Pro Invitational NASCAR iRacing. From the Chicago Street Course, I did not get to catch that. For what it was, it was a good race. I racing Pro Invitational. It was a good race for what it was. Which street courses bring a much needed change to NASCAR's traditional road course races? Because it is, and we've mentioned this a couple of times, like Dover, no out of bounds. It's like racing in a hockey rink. Mm-hmm. Street courses are the ultimate test, I think, of driver skills, handling the cars. We saw a great race at Formula One. We saw a decent race in Sonoma, but a lot of cars went off the track, whereas on a road course, we'll get more into this after the interview, you don't have that. But will street courses, and they're talking about bringing them more and more into NASCAR, be a much needed change? I'm going to say no. No. Okay. No, I just, well, I mean, this kind of alludes to what we talked about before about how we felt about having just, in general, seven road course races on the calendar. I don't know. I just, I don't see, I don't know. I kind of like that NASCAR is kind of venturing into trying these new things, but I kind of just like the Sonoma, the Watkins Glen, and like yeah. the Roval. We really talked about that on the race well. day show. Yeah, I think the Roval works well, but I mean, maybe just th- maybe one street course just to see what it's like because it was almost like with Circuit of the Americas. I wasn't a fan before they even raced there, and I was like, I'll give it a chance. We'll see how one race does. And right. I think you asked me, should we go back? Absolutely not. I don't want to right. see it happen again. If they throw in a street course race, sure, why not? Let's try it one time. We'll see how it goes, and then I'll decide from there. Like, I have this weird thing where, like, I watch from watching Formula One, watching them race on a street course, and then watching NASCAR. It's like because, like, when NASCAR was racing at Circuit of the Americas, to me, it's like watching slow motion because I'm used to watching Formula well, it was, One race. It was there. wet there too. That too, but even in the dry, it was like watching slow motion. I'm right. just like, this doesn't work very well. Maybe a street course, maybe if it's a little bit tighter, maybe the speeds might come into more play a little bit more. Right. I don't know. I guess we just have to, I need to see it to right. really work okay. on it. I can, I can live with that. Okay. I think I think a street course might be interesting, though, because, I mean, you don't have out of bounds, but, like, it's, like, bouncing back and forth inside yeah. of a hockey rink. There's no out of bounds. If you hit the wall, I mean. If you misjudge the corner, you that's can. That's right. Hit, yeah, absolutely. I think it would be a good change for it. I think it would be a good little change of pace for NASCAR. I'd like to see that. Maybe if they one, get rid of some of them. At least one. We may, yeah, maybe if you get rid of, let's say Road America doesn't work out here in the next couple of weeks, Road America for Miami for where they race for Formula One, maybe not there. 
It, 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 it's the, that, and it doesn't... St. Petersburg. It doesn't yeah. need to be a very long track either. It like, doesn't have to be. In length. Because Circuit of the Americas is just so huge. I think if NASCAR would keep it under like a three miles. Uh, keep it under three miles. I yeah, agree with you. Uh, yeah. Anything yeah. over that is just a little... That, I don't think yeah, it's it works a little, for that. You're overdoing it there. Yeah. But that's all I got. Do you have any? Here's something... What do you think of NASCAR running the full track at Sonoma other than, you know how you have that. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. The carousel. The carousel, yeah. Would you rather the carousel or the chute, which is the regulars outside? Because after watching it again, I'm just like, eh, I don't think we could bypass the carousel again. The carousel was... added its own little uniqueness to the track. I'm used to watching that more so with IndyCar. Right. It's an IndyCar track, mm-hmm. in my opinion, because that's where I first watched IndyCar race it. The shoot I like because it offers more maybe outbreaking opportunities, passing opportunities. But as far as overall race, it, it wasn't a bad race. I, I think any race there at Sonoma is a good race to watch. But it's like maybe the difference of adding the boot to Watkins Glen and not it. I don't think it's going to add anything. I don't think it's going to take anything away mm-hmm. from it. I'm, it's not a hill I'm willing to die on. Let's say that. Okay. I know, okay. I think I have two actually. Two okay. You more. got two more. Okay. Here's, here's something for you. Before the weekend started, Bob Pockers put it on Twitter what the stages were at the road course. Mm-hmm. And I immediately just tweeted out and said, if anything, you know, because I'm always on my soapbox with the whole stage racing thing. You are a keyboard warrior. Yeah. If anything, <laughs> if, if NASCAR, and I, you know, I tagged NASCAR and I said, you know, if anything, if you're not going to get rid of stage racing, at least get rid of it at a road course. So what do you think? Do you think... Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. NASCAR should get rid of stage racing at road courses because it seems like it just, like I said, stage racing seems to make the race longer. But at a road course, well, I don't think we need it because road courses, we need strategy. And when it came out that stage racing was going to be 20, 20, and 50, and then you have a competition caution on lap 10, mm-hmm. I'm like, well, what's the whole point of the first stage then? So why, why are we even doing this? I think there's a time and place for stage racing. I think it does add a little bit of excitement, a little bit of strategy to it. But on road course, it's a whole different beast. I saw it on Twitter as well. NBC, NASCAR and NBC asked, should stage racing be on road courses? And I voted no along with 77% of the people. However, if you take stage racing away from there, how a point's going to work, you have to make up a whole new rule system for that and rule package. I see what NASCAR is doing. Blanket, this is how it is. But I'm, I'm kind of with you. Stage racing shouldn't be thing on road courses but again it's it's like the sonoma setup whether it's the carousel or the shoot it's not a hill i'm willing to die on it is what it is because if we had it our way we'd do everything different every nascar fan would do similar but different things for the sport and i don't think it's a hill worth dying on but well, i only so here's the thing i only ask it because again I hate that I com- I like to compare NASCAR to Formula One because it's two different entities. They have all these different rules between each other. But when you watch, like I said, when you watch a Formula One race, usually the races are fit within, it usually takes maybe upwards of two hours. But Formula One also has it in there that they have a four-hour window that they have to finish within. Right. And with NASCAR, again, I feel like NASCAR's missing that 
I don't think they're they're not really gaining a lot of fans because nobody wants to watch a three and four hour race, especially at a mind road it. course. I didn't mind it. it was where a good it's race. just when you have a stage break, it just takes longer, and it's just. I think stages should not be on a road course because in mm-hmm. itself you're more of racing the track than you are the competition. And I understand that NASCAR likes to put stages in there to give guys extra points, but it's also to bunch that field up because right. apparently, I guess, people like to see that. And then when we had the caution at the end where they were going to do overtimes, and I was like, great, here we go, because at a place like a road course, this is just going to take even longer because somebody's going to wreck. I'm right. surprised they even got through it that fast. But that's you know that's why I ask it because I feel like stage racing is just kind of pointless. If you didn't put stage racing at a road course, let the guys figure out the course themselves because at some point, everything's going to get cycled around and people are going to do all these different strategies and you're going to see people up there that you might never, ever see. Right. So that's why I asked that. No, and I get what you're saying. But again, it's not a hill I'm willing to die on. I think if you're going to get rid of stage racing for road courses, get rid of stage racing for everything. And like I said, I'm sorry that I like to compare these two different sports because no, they really are two different sports. But I think a lot of people like that. I missed a fuel strategy. Are they going to make it on fuel? Are they right. not going to make it on fuel? And we kind of got it. But with this way the stage broke off, if you just cut it in half, you're going to make it. And Kyle Larson showed that. To me, either get rid of it for everything or don't get rid of it at all. Let's say that. Okay. That's my all official right. stand on that. Okay. One more. One more. And this comes from the Formula One race, and we'll you know we'll get into more of all that after the interview with Chris Hacker. But with the two quote-unquote tire failures that happened at Baku, do you think Pirelli is really going to be feeling the heat? Do you think that they're going to be approached? approached by not only the teams of course that had the problem but other teams as well because there was that time where lewis hamilton even asked when verstappen had had that tire trouble he asked was it a tire problem or not and you could probably hear the concern in his voice because i'm sure a lot of guys were that were going that long of a distance on hard tires thinking that they could go all the way like that and then to see two drivers actually coming down almost in the same general area on that front straightaway when you hitting that maximum speed and the tire just that's it it just lets go i mean do you think pirelli is maybe feeling the heat or maybe they're just like you know it maybe it's just a fluke kind of deal i think with any situation with a tire failure like that especially when it's two tires and just about the same area of the track with the same position of the tire with the same result driver into the wall you can look at the same thing with nascar in 2008 at the indianapolis motor speedway and they could not get the tires. Goodyear messed up that race. Do I? But that happened from dropping the green flag to the checkered flag, and it was an abysmal race for NASCAR. Did the same thing happen with Pirelli? No. Pirelli's always been a very good tire manufacturer for Formula One since the tire wars at Bridgestone and Michelin. Once those tire wars went away, and they said, okay, we're having one tire, Pirelli. To my knowledge and to my recollection, there hasn't been any tire issues as far as the hards or the softs or the ultra softs or the mediums. There's really been no issue. You look at Max Verstappen and Lance Stroll's failures during that event. Could they, Red Bull and Aston Martin, been running the wrong setup? Could they have been running issues there could have just been a piece of debris on the track we saw a lot of debris issues throughout the course of the race and yeah and the commentators did allude to that they were thinking could, maybe it was that could he have picked it up and turned three and then it finally let go coming down the front stretch right a lot of issues could he have tagged the walk on I mean, loose and tagged the wall on a left in left right hander mm-hmm. especially through that castle shoot 
There are many unknowns, and to point the finger at Pirelli, it's like pointing the finger at Simpson safety right. after the death of Dale Earnhardt. It's your fault he's dead. We need a scapegoat. You're it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Pirelli, I don't think, has anything to worry about because up to this point, I have never heard any teams concerned about the tire wear. No. Were they running high speeds? Yes. High downforce? Yes. Yeah. But those tires that Pirelli brings to the track are designed for that. And they've shown their grit since I started watching Formula One back again back in 2012. I don't remember any tire issues whatsoever. Right, and you know, for the uh, just real quick for anybody that's that's new out there that doesn't really know what we're kind of alluding to with the tires situation in Formula One. Formula One brings three different compounds to the track, of course, aside from the intermediates and the wets. If yep. it was raining, so you have your soft, your medium, and your hards. Your soft are for more. Faster speeds, but they don't last as long. Mediums are kind of in between, and the hards are for more longer runs. The fall-off in terms of speed is is not there. So, yeah, it's greater. And that's why a lot of teams went with the hards at the track like that because they were just trying to go the distance almost. No, they were. To me, I don't think Pirelli has anything to worry about. It's just one of those things. It stuff happens. happens. Stuff yeah, happens, happens, man. It's racing. So. Stuff happens. That was what you think. Let us know what you think. Hashtag what you think ITM. It's going to be right here on YouTube and it'll be on the comments section. Let us know what you think, not just for this section, but throughout the rest of the episode. And Preston, you have anything else before we talk to Chris? Uh, no, I, I do not. Let's get into the talk with Chris Hacker. Well, there's Chris. Hey, can you guys hear me? Yeah. You got a video? I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to get it. Uh, no problem, man. No rush. I apologize. Nah, don't, don't. We're, we're new. <laughs> we're still kind of working on this. It's, uh, this is our 90th episode, man. You got us on a good episode. Well, sweet. I'm glad to be the 90th person. <laughs> well, you're not the 90th person. <laughs> Let's get that straight. Uh, okay. You're not the 90th person. <laughs> Chris, uh, we're going to start things off like this. Where are you from and what do you race? Um, so I'm from Noblesville, Indiana right now, uh, born and raised. I, I, uh, lived in Cicero for the first four years of my life, but that's only about 15 minutes away from here. And then we moved here and went through Noblesville schools, uh, my whole life and everything. But, uh, right now I'm currently in between the Arkham and Ars series and the NASCAR Camping World Truck series. Uh, I've done two Arca races so far, but right now we're talking to teams, trying to figure out, um, how we can get into a truck as soon as possible. Yeah, we. I saw you race at the Charlotte Motor Speedway a couple of weeks ago. Very impressive tenth place run. That was really awesome. And that's when I discovered you on Twitter, speaking about Red Bull being a sponsor. Like, hey, let's help this guy out. And you followed <laughs> us, and here we are. So, I want to thank you for being on the show. Congratulations on the tenth place run. That was quite impressive for your first ARCA race. How do you feel about that? Thank you. Thank you for uh, for having me. For first off, and uh, second, you know, um, it was. It was pretty amazing to get top 10. You know, a lot of people, you know, they, they go out there to win the race and, and being my second ARCA race ever, I, I knew I wasn't, I wasn't expecting a win. Um, as I could say, we were, we were more looking for a top 15 finish out of the 23 cars, I believe it was. And, and to be able to come home in top 10, it was pretty spectacular. I, uh, I remember coming across the line, uh, getting a checkered flag and I keyed up on the mic and I was like, like, was that a top 10? And then the spotter came back and he was like, he's like, yep, that was a top 10 buddy. And I like my, I just smiled ear to ear after that. And I came in and, you know, my dad like gave me like a knuckle right there and everything. And then I hopped out and gave him a hug, obviously. And, and told him thank you for everything, you know, he's been doing for me because both my parents, you know, they've been, they've been pushing me here to, to get where I am. So, so yeah, it was pretty spectacular for me. And then 
Yeah. Okay. So you speak about your parents. How how did you uh, were they the catalyst for you to get into racing, or how did you get into racing? How did you decide this is what I want to do? So um, back when I was eight, I was at the Indianapolis Fairgrounds with them, side track uh, racers and stuff like that. So we were at the Indianapolis Fairgrounds, and they have a little quarter midget track there called Mini Indy, and I was just sitting there watching them. And I honestly can't remember at the time if I knew my dad raced or not. Um, but I pretty much just looked up at him and I was like, Hey, like, you know, I want to give this a try. And I played T-ball, basketball, you know, all the soccer, all that other stuff before that. And so obviously those sports were little phases for me. And, and sadly for them, they thought this was going to be a phase two, but they were very, very wrong on that. And yeah, so it, it started off from there and then, um, all the way up until my late model career, they were, they were supporting me financially and, we sadly had to get out of it in 2016, 2017, um, just because, you know, they ran out of money. But um, I started working really hard after that and was able to come up with a, with enough money on my own to get these three races in for me. So so we're doing that right now and, and looking for sponsors to continue. How do you come up with the money? Uh, like, how did I for yeah. these races? Yeah, how do you um, So right when I got out of it, um, I started working at McAllister's, and I didn't like that. And yeah. I bought a car, which was a, it was a $400 Honda Civic. Um, and so um, I pretty much just started doing a lot of jobs, whether it was working at restaurants, um, working on race teams, um, you know, all the above. I've always, I've always kind of just been out working, trying to make some money, and then, uh, you know, I, me- I messed like, with some, a little bit of stocks here and there, just trying to like, build it up, which helped a little bit, but not too much. Um, Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. And, you know, I'll buy a car and, like, fix it up a little bit and sell it. And there's just there's all sorts of different ways I was able to build the money up in order to get to where I'm able to be. But... But yeah, for the first, you know, eight years of my racing career, I, I didn't put a dime into it. It was all my parents and, and it it definitely hurt them financially, but you know, they're they're back on their feet and stuff and, and I just I can't be more thankful for what they've done for me so far. Your ARCA team, is that your team? Uh no. So we don't we don't run we don't own our own, own team. We are currently renting at the moment. Okay. Um we have talked about it and, and thought about it. Um, we're, we're just trying to figure out the best way to go financially is because we, with the limited budget that we're bringing, um, we just, we got to make sure we're all of our moves are the best moves for me. We, we don't really have room to make, make mistakes. Right. So we don't want to, we don't want to try to start an ARCA team and then it'd be too much for us or like, we don't have, you know, the capability to be competitive because, a lot of the a lot of the NASCAR community is out of North Carolina in the Charlotte area, 
And so to start an ARCA team in Indiana, it would, it would be difficult to, you know, try to get insights on, on how to work on the vehicles and, and get crew members out here and, and all sorts of stuff. And, and plus own a team like, like to be really, really competitive, you gotta, you gotta have a lot of, of equipment such as like a tie down machine, a dyno, you know, there, there's a lot that goes into it. So you gotta have a lot of room to, to work on it and stuff like that. So it, it's it's been an idea for us, but yeah, strictly uh, renting out the seats for now is what we're doing. Okay, so who who do you rent out for Charlotte? Um, for Charlotte, that was my previous team that I was running for. Uh, we we aren't running for them anymore. There were some some disagreements on future events, but um, right. I ran for the same team um, through Phoenix and Charlotte. Okay, and getting that seat. And being exposed to that top 10 and showing that, okay, I'm capable of doing this. Has any other team approached you and maybe talked to you since then? The way with NASCAR is a lot of it, you know, has to do with money. Um, You know, talent, talent is a big deal, um, but a lot of it has to do with money. So now in these lower ranks, you don't really, as far as I've seen, I I am still new in the NASCAR community. Obviously I haven't, I'm, I'm still getting my toes wet as you'd say, but as far as I've seen, you kind of approach uh, teams with sponsors and, you know, they're like, well, is it, is it worth being, bringing this kid on or is it, is it not worth it? Is he just going to like make a fool out of ourselves? So definitely when I first got into trying to race ARCA, there, were, there weren't too many teams responding back to me um, just because they didn't think I had the experience and stuff like that. So getting that top 10 obviously helped me to get more responses from teams. So we're right. starting to get teams to like connect with us and try to figure out, you know, what races they have open and stuff like that. Instead of just kind of ignoring me, I guess you could say. Right. Um, but yeah, as far as I've seen teams aren't necessarily picking up drivers. It's, it's more like they're picking up drivers who are able to bring sponsorships and stuff like that. Would, would you now, say, I mean, at the cup level, that that's obviously different cup level. You do get picked up by team owners, but more in these uh, truck series and, and ARCA series, you, you definitely have to bring in um, some sponsors. Would you say that's your biggest hurdle right now is bringing in those sponsors? Yeah. So, um, you know, obviously sponsors love ROIs, return on investments. And so before okay. um, that, that Red Bull thing, I, I tweeted out, I didn't really have too many followers on Twitter. I believe it was like, it's like maybe 220, something like that. Yeah, it exploded. Um, and then I tweeted that, and, and it blew up, and we're we're shooting for 3,000 now. We're trying to get that through a giveaway, but we're at like 2,600 or something. Yeah. And, and, I mean, that was all within like a week and a half so far. And so, um, you know, building my social media definitely helps approach sponsors because they're able to reach out more people. Um, but as far as my biggest hurdle in continuing in NASCAR, it definitely will be, uh, getting partners through sponsoring because, you know, like I said, a lot of it, you know, it's, it's, it's an expensive sport to do and, right. and you gotta, you gotta have someone continue to do it. So you started off racing when you were eight and quarter midgets and it sounds to me like this is, you're just a next generation Jeff Gordon in this route, maybe not the fast track like he was. But how, how do you look at yourself or how do the other people think you are perceived in the world of NASCAR? Are you, you know, maybe that next Jeff Gordon coming up because of the track you're taking? Or do you think maybe the next Tony Stewart, both from Indiana, all three of you from Indiana, how do you look um, at yourself? 
personally, I think I'm kind of late to the game. You know, there, there's Ty Gibbs, obviously. He, he just he just turned 18, graduated from high school, and he's, he's already running Xfinity and stuff. So He's got a little one-upping uh, with the last name and stuff. I like people who earn it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I get what you're saying on that. Um, but, yeah, like I said, I do I do feel like I am a little late to the game. Right. Um, no, I'm still I still am young. I'm I'm only 21 years old, so I still got a lot of life in me. Um, but as far as uh, you know, trying to trying to get up through the ranks, you know, um, we're kind of doing it a different way. There's there's there wasn't really a name uh, before me, and you know, my my father he's he's just a another middle class man um, from yeah. Indiana. So we are we definitely have a lot more hurdles to get over, and and you know, getting these accomplishments done is definitely um, a huge impact on us because we're able to, you know, say, you know, we, we did this without, without anything, but yeah, uh, Jeff Gordon, he was my idol growing up. I have a, I have a picture of me and him when I was 13, I posted on Twitter and, and like, I had like, my eyes are all watery just because I couldn't believe that I met him and everything. So um, for people to say that I, some people have said that, you know, I'm, I'm going to be the next Jeff Gordon for people to say that, you know, it, it makes me really happy to hear that because, you know, I'm I'm doing everything I can to make it happen. Yeah, and it shows on Twitter. I mean, like I, I was I remember seeing that following count at two hundred. It's like, yeah, I'll give this guy a follow to see where he goes. And it's just rocketed. It was like a the power stuff. of social media. The power of social media. Heck <laughs> Nation was born and I'm proud to be a part of it. And it's yeah. it, I can't wait to see where it goes. What has been your biggest accomplishment so far in racing? So there, there's been a lot of accomplishments I've had, you know, um, I, when I was 13 running late models, I got in a, a massive wreck where we had to strip the whole body and, you know, tie a chain up to the frame and, you know, bend it back out a little bit. And we ended up putting a, a new body on it and we didn't even get any, any, uh, graphics on the side. We just stuck a number on the contingencies on and we went out there and, uh, I ended up winning that race and, and that made me the youngest driver in CRA history to win an event. But my biggest accomplishment so far has to be that top 10 at Charlotte. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, that's something I, I wasn't really expecting. And, you know, when I'm back when I was racing late models, then, you know, I was getting some like top fives and top threes. So I kind of, I kind of could have seen, you know, the wind coming here soon, but you know, to get that top 10, it, it was definitely, um, it was definitely shooting for the stars there. I'm, I'm happy it happened. Yeah. I, I, that was an impressive run. I have to say going to complete 180 from greatest success in your career, biggest setback, my biggest setback. So I would have to say, um, my, my last year of lay models, I, I won a, a couple races and, uh, 2015, you know, through late models. And there's this, this great man I met, his name is Jack Neal. Um, he was a parts distributor out there and it was coming to the end of the season um, of 2015. And he looked at me and my dad and he's like, I'm going to warn you. And he's like, everyone has great seasons, but usually the next one's a bad season. And I don't know if he jinxed me or I didn't, I don't know if he was just, if he just happened to be right, but he, he definitely hit the, hammer on the head on that one uh we uh almost all of our races were dns you know we were just wrong place at the right time and i have a video on twitter that i posted a couple days ago of me at um i want to say it was a wasso speedway um i ended up getting spun out earlier in the race all the way from the tail to like 
fifth place I think I was at and we were coming to three to go and one of the guys was trying to take out another just because they were fighting each other and and one of them finally had enough of it and instead of hitting him he just hit me right in the door and it just it just took me out and a couple races before that my parents were like all right we gotta we gotta stop wrecking because you know we're we're definitely getting down to to the little funds that we have and and after that I hopped out and and that was probably when you know, I finally realized that it was going to be, you know, my last season because it was definitely a hard hit. It took a lot of money to put it back together. I would have to say that one because it, it, you know, having a having a long break in your career isn't isn't a good site for sponsors and teams and stuff like that because they want to see constant driving and stuff like that. That was another hurdle that we were approaching trying to get to into some teams for Arcos. They were like, "Well, you haven't you haven't been racing in almost you know three years. Like, I don't I don't know if you can." really handle it i guess you could say so so having that having that break in my career was definitely a big setback for me how do you rebound from that mentally it takes a lot um you know i was young back then i was still i was still 16 so you know it was hard you know i had some days where you know i i was not really happy with life you know i i woke up and i got i got a trophy sitting on my nightstand so Every day when I wake up, I see it, and I got I got a couple pictures of of my race cars on the wall. So like, um, you know, just waking up and seeing those, and it reminds you of of what you want to do in life and and why you push to do the things you do. And so you know, I just I knew I still wanted to race, and I had to figure out a way to do it. And so I just I worked you know twelve hour days at doing manual labor, just trying to collect the biggest paychecks I could just to save it up and, and get back to where I'm at. And you know it's it's paying off right now. I'm like I said, I mean getting that top ten was amazing, and for that to happen, it just it helps me realize you know that that hard work to pass you know four or three years was was definitely worth it. It just wasn't for nothing. Going back to I believe you said uh, I mentioned the name Jack, the Bart Steeler guy. Is that his name? Yes, Jack Neal. Jack Neal. Besides him, has there anybody else been that's been an influencer in your career? I'd say other than mom and dad who've helped you out, but that one guy, that one cons- constant person in your career that's been an influencer. So Jack Neal was an older gentleman. Um, he was actually the father of Scott Neal. Um, Scott Neal, he was the one that was kind of, he went out on a limb with me. Um I remember when I was 13, my dad was um, going around trying to trying to find teams that would like, because I mean, he, you know, he, he did a lot of like street stock racing um, back in the day. So he didn't know too much about lay models, but he kind of, he knew the basics. So we were trying to find someone, you know, who had the knowledge and the equipment. And I remember we walked into Scott Neal's shop and I was kind of like walking around looking at the race cars, like just, just seeing what equipment he had. And the whole time, apparently, he thought my dad was going to be the driver. He, he thought that my dad just brought me along or something like that. And then finally, um, Scott was like, so when's your first race? And then my dad's like, I'm not racing. He is. And then, like, his eyes got big and he turned his head and he was like, he was like, wait, what? And, you know, ever since then, he kind of he kind of helped. He knew our financial situation. He knew we were running low and stuff like that. And so he helped us out for um a little amount which which i'm very grateful for and he was he was a madman when it came to late models like he it was like he'd wave a wand and and it would just make that race car go fast and so him pushing me and, and teaching me everything i know about racing definitely um 
definitely helped inspire me. And he's actually the one who, uh, I got out of racing. He took me under his wing to work for him and stuff like that. And so I was able to learn a lot, not only with driving through him, but, but also being a, a mechanic through him too. Just so, so he's probably the, um, one of the ones who definitely inspired me in racing a lot. Looking at the mechanical side of the car, I've heard a lot of drivers come and say, that's been the biggest difference between a good driver and a great driver. How has that affected you and your career as far as setup for the car, communication with the team, and just an overall wrap, taking every little piece you can and putting it into a great weekend like you did at Charlotte with that top 10? Uh, Late models and ARCA cars are a little bit different from each other. You're still kind of able to bring on the communication skills uh, through the driving and stuff like that. But knowing a lot about late models, I was able to be like, hey, I think the car needs this from what I'm feeling. Um, But instead with ARCA, I was more having to just describe what I was feeling and they would kind of go from there. And so knowing a lot about the late models, it definitely helped out a lot because then, you know, the team wasn't running around trying to figure out what the best idea was. I was kind of more able to give them an idea on what to do. But like you said, communicating with the team, it's definitely, it's definitely a key because, I mean, you can't go out on the track and come in and just be like, oh, well, it's loose a little bit or, oh, it's tight a little bit. I mean, you got to be able to pinpoint, you know, is it, is it front end push or is, is it loose on throttle exit or, and then also you learn, you know, is it you or is it the car? And, and that's the biggest thing is a lot of people can't tell if it's them or if it's the car. And, um, as Charlotte, one of the biggest things is, is, you know, or, I mean, I knew when, when I was going into the corners too hard versus, uh, if, if the car was just, uh, pushing with the front end push. So, I mean, just, yeah, the communication is almost key. It's almost more important than being a good driver because, you know, the car is never the same after, you know, 20 lap driving it. And so you're going to have to be able to, to adjust on what you're feeling and all sorts of stuff like that. How much of a time gap was there between that late model race and the Charlotte race for you? So it would have been, it would have been about four years. I only did two late model races um, before my first ARCA race oh, wow. just kind of knocked cobwebs off. So I did have two late model races beforehand, but one was at the end of 2019 and then another one was at the mid of 2020. So it was still about, you know, another another six months in between my, my uh, late model race and my first ARCA race. So, um, but you know, I got, I got an iRacing setup, which, which helps a lot. And I'm, I'm always on there practicing and it's not exactly the same, but it still helps you, you know, focus on keeping your line and, and saving tires and, and just being able to help your reaction time too. Okay. So, so, and, and I'm a I racer too, not the best, <laughs> not the best. I probably won't beat you, but taking that, especially the time off that gap that you had in your career, did you use I racing to maybe, and you said it wasn't the same. It's not the same. Maybe stay at least, consistent on just working on the muscle memories of the vehicles and doing that did i racing help out with that yeah so i racing helps out a ton actually the only the only difference really is you're not able to feel it in your butt when yeah. when the car is doing something that that's really the major key difference um you know they they have a lot of different tire models for each cars and stuff like that so some cars have have better um more more realistic tire wear. Super late models, I would have to say, are the most realistic car on there okay. that I have been able to drive in real life. But 
like you were saying, yeah, iRacing is amazing to be able to keep your muscle memory and your reaction times up, um, along with staying consistent with lines. And, you know, they have the the black boxes there where um, it shows you your tire wear and stuff like that yeah. um, and your percentage and stuff. So, um, you know, I'd go out there and I'd run 100 laps and I'd see my tire wear and I'd be like, okay, well, I'm, that's probably a little too much. So I'd go back out for another 100 laps and, you know, I'd maybe just like, get off the gas about half a car length sooner and see how my tire wear affected that. And, and, you know, just, you got to put hours in on it. And once you do that, you learn how to stay consistent. And I mean, they have worse feedback on the wheels. So being able to, to like feel the car get sideways through the wheel, you're able to adjust it um, pretty quickly. But, but yeah, like I said, the only difference majorly is, is you're just not able to feel it in your butt. Right. And it's probably number one for me because I'm not a race car driver. (laughs) Folks, going to take a quick break from the show here and remind everyone out there about In the Marbles online store at Teespring. There you can find all your In the Marbles gear, such as t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, iPhone cases, cell phone cases, and so much more. So everyone, whether you're at the NASCAR track or local short tracks, that you are a fan and avid listener of In the Marbles. All purchases will help In the Marbles bring you more content in the future. If you head over to InTheMarbles.net under the Merch tab, You'll find the link to Teespring, or if you go to teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash in the marbles, you can find it there as well. And from now till the end of June, if you use discount code TROPHY, earn 20% off your entire order. Again, that's discount code TROPHY, 20% off your entire order. Go over to teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash in the marbles and check it out. So you have brachial plexus injury. Yes, is that yes. is that brachial plexus injury? <laughs> now, now, and, and which is a nerve injury, and this is, mm-hmm. and you're the only and first NASCAR driver that I've seen with this injury. Exactly, what is it? Like you were saying, it is a nerve damage injury. Though when I was born with it, uh, I can only move my fingers, and what it does is it affects your movement in your um, arm or the feeling a little bit too. So uh, like I was saying, when I was born, I could only move my fingers and, you know, my parents went to a doctor and they were like, they're pretty much like, sorry about your luck. Like we, we don't know what to do. And, right. and so we went, they went to a different doctor and his name was Dr. Me. Um, side note is it, I don't know what, how, how it happened, but um, ironically, he used to be friends with Tony Stewart. And before Tony Stewart got big, he offered him to be on his pit crew. And Dr. Me was like, sorry, I can't, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be a doctor here. You know, right. I'm, not, I'm not trying to go run around with, with some race cars. And then, you know, a couple years later, Tony Stewart got big. And so he was telling me about that. But, but anyways, he, uh, he talked to my parents and, you know, he, he helped me out a lot. And they ended up doing uh, three major surgeries on me. One, like, not too long after I was born. And then another when I think I was about four. And then another when I was seven. And they did a lot of nerve grafting and stuff, which uh, they took nerves out of my calves and my ankles and both my legs um, and then transferred it into my wrist, my shoulder, and then my neck. And so I have about 50% range of movement now. Because of my 50% range of movement, my muscle mass is, like, insanely lower than my right arm but so so one of the problems i have currently is my shoulder will dislocate sometimes 
um, because there's just there's no muscle in the back here holding it in the socket. So if I try to do like a push up, it'll it'll just kind of like pop in and out here and there. Oh, wow. um, it doesn't really hurt that much. Um, and at first, I, I didn't think too much of it, and it started to hurt a little bit when I'm go to gym class. And Dr. Me, he, he kind of retired when I was that age, so we weren't really sure to go to. So we ended up going to um, a physician out in Ohio, and they they kind of, like, moved my arm a little bit, and then they, like, saw it, and then she was like, oh, well, your shoulder's dislocating. And we were like, oh, we we're like, that, that's, that's weird. And the only thing they really said that I could do about it is to, is to build the muscle mass back there, which I'm – I'm, I'm, I don't really do it that much. You know, I, I go to the gym and stuff, but they gave me certain, you know, physical therapy activities to right. do, which, which nobody likes physical therapy. Right. So, um, but I still go to the gym, you know, I, I'll like grab the dumbbells. I have to do like a five weight dumbbell with my right. left arm, just so much weaker, but, but yeah, I mean, long story short, it, it pretty much just mainly affects your, your movement. And, um, mine happened to be from birth, but it can, it can happen to anyone. Um, I believe there's an IndyCar driver who actually got in a wreck years ago that ended up having brachial plexus injury from the wreck um, just because his nerves got damaged during it. I'm not sure who. I would have to look back into it, um, but it can happen in, in you know everyday life accidents. That, right. that does it. Does that affect you? Has it ever affected you when you're driving? Because I was born like it, it's it's normal to me. It's it. So I couldn't really compare it to anything else. Actually. One of our, I, I drive mostly with my right arm. Um, you know, the left, the left arm holds onto the wheel, um, just kind of like to be there and 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 stuff like that. But our our biggest worry is road course races. Um, you know, the the shifters on the right hand side, right. and so we're we're trying to figure out how to. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Start a journey, not a fad. Kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread packages. Choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes, heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tread Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. Approach those due to the fact I know there's going to be sometimes shifting throughout the corners. And my arm is strong enough to hold the wheel stationary um, while, while I'm moving but it is definitely not strong enough to turn the wheel, you know, if I need to turn it more or less and stuff like that. So, so far there, it it really hasn't affected me or my driving at all. Um, I haven't done any road course races. I did practice in an F4 not too long ago when we were out in Phoenix, but those were paddle shifters. So I didn't really have to worry about taking my right hand off the wheel. So, um, but yeah, so far, no, no effects towards me, but, but in the future, there'll probably be definitely some more hurdles that we have to jump over with that. Right. So do you, 
have to do you tend to disclose that to teams that you talk to maybe just to let them know because i feel like that would be something that kind of would maybe affect your career a little bit maybe teams look at it and say you know oh we don't really know about this guy because he's got something like this you know that could be maybe a problem it's not like the first thing we come out and say i guess you could say yeah. where we, we kind of like I, inter- I introduce myself and and we talk about you know the team and, and me and stuff like that it definitely gets brought up before the race. Every team that I've driven for has, has known about my brachial plexus injury. And and so, like, I, I, I wouldn't see it to be a problem. A, a team may disagree and stuff like that. But, you know, I, I feel like I've been able to prove myself that, you know, I've been able to, you know, handle these cars and, and compete at that level, even with the, the injury that I have. We do discuss with the team, you know, ways to approach it. For instance, the Phoenix race, uh, we actually ended up putting a different um, rack and pinion in the in the car, which with a with a lighter turning um, ratio and stuff like that. So it was a little bit easier for me to turn because we weren't, you know, really sure how to uh, you know or if it would be like too hard just because I'd be driving with one hand practically. But um, for Charlotte, we just we left the stock one in there, you know, what everybody else drives, and it, it was no problem for me. So um, obviously, that was something we learned just through being able to compete. But but yeah, it's not really it's not really my my, my opening. I don't really shake their hand, and be like, by the way. But we definitely we definitely do make it known before we hit the track for sure. Right. It doesn't seem like it affects you at all. Once the adrenaline goes and your focus, because you know it takes a lot of focus to drive these cars regardless of what series you're in takes a lot of focus and it doesn't seem like lack of movement i guess i could say affects you it it clearly didn't in charlotte you know (laughs) but i mean do you come out of the car does it hurt afterwards or does it like how does it feel or does it really not feel like anything so, uh, I'm curious uh actually about that. when I got out of Charlotte, the seat a little bit was like kind of hitting underneath my arm right here. And yeah. since then the left side of my hand, like from my peaky down has been a little bit numb. Oh, wow. And so I'm not sure if I need to be worried about it or not. Um, I've been telling my mom, you know, if it's been numb or not, but it, the numbness has been kind of going away and I've been getting some feeling back. So I think I, uh, I think I may have like just pinched a nerve or something during the race, like up on the, you know, rib padding and stuff. Right. So as far as hurting, no, it, it, it never really hurts. Like I said, I don't really use it that much when I'm racing um, during caution, you know, down the straightaways, I'll probably use it just to like, you know, get my right arm a break and stretch it out and stuff. Um, but while, while we're under green, it's definitely just holding on to the wheel along for the ride. Right, right. So, Chris, continuing on with your goals in racing, what's your ultimate goal as far as your racing career? You know, ultimately, I want to be able to participate in all sorts of uh, racing series, you know, whether whether it is NASCAR or IndyCar or, you know, rally racing and stuff like that. Um, you know, I kind of want to follow in Jimmy Johnson's steps, you know, get yeah. to the top in, in NASCAR. And then once I... Once I've reached my top point in NASCAR, you know, kind of spread out to, to all other sorts of uh, racing throughout the throughout the country and stuff like that. Ultimately, NASCAR, I think Cup Series is a is definitely an obvious goal. What would be a secondary? Like, say, if Cup Series isn't manifesting the way you want it to be, who would you want approaching you? Let's say that. What series? So, uh, with that Formula Four test I did back in Phoenix, 
you know, I don't want to like toot my own horn, but it, I was pretty good at it. I, it was no it toot was your own horn. This is what this is for. Toot your own horn, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, I went out there and I, I put some really good laps down, um, consistent laps too. So, um, like I was saying earlier, NASCAR it's it's really expensive. Uh, we've learned that you know the road to um, Indy, uh, like road and everything through open wheel racing and IndyCar, it, it is a lot cheaper. So. You know, it's not it's not anything we're, we've seriously looked at or, um, you know, are trying to approach, but we've definitely talk, sat down and talked about, you know, is, is IndyCar the next plan if right. we can't do it in NASCAR? And so, you know, my, my second my second choice, if, if NASCAR, you know, couldn't happen, it would definitely probably be having to go through IndyCar. Yeah, we talked to Connor Daly, and that is a difficult vehicle it seems like to drive indie cars have you had any um open wheel experience outside of midgets in the formula four um no so uh i the quarter midgets was pretty much my own uh my only open yeah. wheel and then that formula four test i will say those cars are extremely hard to drive the the worst thing about them is you know if you get if you break a little bit loose in a in a nascar or like any of the stock cars, I, I should say, you can kind of like chase it out. You know, you just yeah. you feather the wheel a little bit. But those cars, you know, half a degree of angle difference. And you lose it. It's just like, it spins around like it's a tornado. It's, yeah. it's, it's insane. And, and I was I was never able to, I spun out a couple times uh, just breaking the tires loose. And, you know, I, I, I just, I could not save them for, to save my life. You know, I was, I was kind of like, I was shook a little bit. I was just like, man, these just, they just loop like crazy. It and does. So, that does kind of sound about right. You know, I, I, I can't, I can't evening. relate to anything, but like, I mean, I know you guys do like iRacing, but I do most of my racing just on straight up Xbox. I do a lot of formula mm-hmm. one on the Xbox and I've, I've, I mean, you can kind of tell in a game too, when you're racing like NASCAR, if you get loose, you can chase it out, you can feather it and whatnot. But in a formula one, if you get just a tiny bit loose, you can't chase it. I mean, that's it. That you're done that after that. So uh, I can kind of get, I get what you're saying now. I kind of get that. <laughs> I've seen, I've seen videos on YouTube and stuff of, you know, like IndyCar drivers and formula drivers, you know, like saving their cars. And I'm, I'm, my mind's just blown on when they do it because like I've, I've been able to experience it. And I, I don't know if it's just like from experience of them driving it for so many years or what, but they, they definitely just, they snap like so quickly and it's, it's, it's fun to drive, but it's, it's insane how they handle. Yeah. I, um, I, I race with a, uh, a force feedback wheel on the Xbox and it has, when it has chased out like that, the wheel just snaps right out of your hands. And I was the first time that happened. I was like, Holy crap. <laughs> that's, that's ridiculous. <laughs> so Chris, between races right now, your ultimate goal is NASCAR, if not IndyCar, And I, that's awesome. But in between right now, your last start at Charlotte and now what have you been doing? Since my last start at Charlotte, you know, we've been, I, I work nine to five every day. Um, what do you do? Five today, obviously, but I got off a little bit early today. I do work with my dad. We just, we just opened a body shop. So okay. we're doing uh, collision repair work. And so I, I kind of have a little bit more uh, leniency on my hours. Um, you know, I've just, I've just been coming back and living the normal, you know, 21 year old life, you know, going to work and, um, you know, after work, I'll be doing podcasts and stuff like that, trying to interact with people and, and you know, Twitter right now is definitely a job in itself. Uh, trying to trying to keep up with everybody, which 
which I love it. But, you know, sometimes my fingers will start uh, going raw after typing so much. And, um, you know, obviously just I race. So just, just all, all the above within those things, just um, some, some days, not them. And then some days more than the other, it just, it kind of depends on what my schedule's looking like, but but definitely talking to teams, you know, trying to trying to get sponsors. Um, you know, that that's a getting sponsors is an everyday thing. You know, we're we're hitting up companies. You know, sending emails out. My uh, my brother, he uh, he has a marketing or not marketing. He has a business degree through IUPUI, and so he helps me out a lot. Uh, my aunt, she, she's a great talker. She's a great uh, people person. So she she has people up too. And then I met someone named. Uh, Larry Jenkins back in 2013, he worked for a IUPUI in their marketing field and he came up to me with his class and they were, he was like, Hey, we're, we're trying to do a marketing project. And we, we definitely looked like one of the underfunded teams. And so he was pretty much like, you look like you need marketed. And so (laughs) we were like, yes, like I most definitely do. And so, uh, he he's been he's been working for me for free since I was thirteen. There there has not been a dime put in his pocket, um, and he uh, he's still he's still going at it. And and I don't know why. I don't know if he just likes me, but but he's still going at it, which which I'm amazed by. And I can't be more thankful for. But but you know we got we we got like our own little team um that yeah. that's that's going after companies trying to trying to get those sponsorships going and i don't know if you've seen but my hair has been the next best thing on twitter um, I, since I, the red bull thing. I, I did <laughs> see so that we've been, it was we've like, been going after some hair hair product oh, companies clever, here, yeah, trying yeah. To, yeah trying to get connected with them so so you know we'll 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 see where it goes. You know we're we're still trying. Well, as long as you're trying, I I, I commend that because that's if you just give up, nothing's going to happen. Yeah. That's that's yeah. awesome. Definitely. And I got I drawing getting towards the end. I got one question for you. This is a um, the first time we've ever asked anybody on our show this, and unfortunately or fortunately, you're the one we're asking this. So kind <laughs> okay. of a surprise question. Yeah, you're kind of the guinea pig here. <laughs> So if racing was never introduced into your life, if racing was not a option, let's say more so in your life, what do you think you'd be doing? That is a hard question to answer. <laughs> um, it's a, such a broad really question. Yeah. So as far as driving, if I wasn't able to drive, I would definitely be a crew member of some sort. Okay. Um, but if, if, if no racing at all, like I wasn't introduced to it at all, I would probably say, man, I don't know. I'd, I'd have to go with probably following my dad's footsteps. Um, you know, I, I am a body mechanic right now, but I would have to say following his footsteps and, and trying to do that full time um, rather than trying to race full time. I feel like even though if I wouldn't have been involved with racing at all, I still kind of would have had that niche for vehicles, you know, whether it was you know, watching racing or just like seeing nice street cars. So, um, I definitely feel like, you know, uh, the sound of engines and stuff still would have like made me smile. And so, so definitely I would have to say following my, my dad's footsteps and being a body mechanic. All right. I have to tell you, that was a good question. Yeah, it was. It, it blindsides <laughs> people. Yeah, I, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting that one. Right. I, I didn't put it in the email and it's like, yeah, I'm going to sneak it up on him. I'm just going to be a last minute thing. Preston, do you have anything else for Chris? I no, I don't think so. Chris, man, it, it, 
I think you got a bright future ahead of you. You got a good head on your shoulders, a good team behind you, good support from Twitter. I've learned a lot about you. I can't wait to see you on the track again. Thank you for being a part of this show. 90th episode, 90, you know, not the 90th guest, as Chris alluded to earlier, but uh, one day, one day, but definitely <laughs> glad to have you oh, on up and riser for sure. And um, I, I'm going to try to put you out there as much as I can on social yeah. media, to help you out because I think uh, you deserve a shot. Sponsors or no sponsors, you know, you said it on your Twitter, I believe about Talladega nights, me. And that's all you believe in it, man. You got you got a strong team. My, uh, yeah, I it will. It is for fact. If I'm not able to bring sponsors for my first shark race, every major location will say sponsor me. That that is 100 percent for a fact. I, I wish we had. I can't wait to see. I that. wish we had money here <laughs> yeah. at this podcast. We'd give you as much as we can yeah. to put our name on there oh, just to man. sponsor you, man. I, I believe in you. I think you're going to do great things. Anything else, Preston? Nope. Chris, thanks for being on, man. Best of luck. Stay in touch. If you need anything, let us know. For sure. I appreciate you guys for having me. It helps out a lot. Not a problem, man. We come back anytime. For sure. Thank you, guys. See ya. All right. Well, that was Chris Hacker. Chris, thank you again for being on the show. Really great talking to you. A lot, great kid, man. He's got a good head on his shoulders, and I, I feel like and I, it's crazy me saying kid. He's 14 years younger than me. He's eight years younger than me. Eight year, well, he, <laughs> I had to do some math for you're, a you're, second. <laughs> you're closer to his peer group, but very yeah. great. Thank you yeah. for being on, Chris. Really great guy to talk to. I think he's going to go somewhere in the world of auto racing. Sounds Maybe. like he's got a pretty good support group with all, the, all he, these people trying to do all these he different does, things. He does, and that's, what, that's what it takes. Just a family around one person. It takes a village. Go get it, Chris. Don't let anybody stop you, especially you. You're the only one who can stop you. Go get them. That's all I can say. That's the only piece of advice that I'm going to give after the interview. And the only person that can stop you is you. You. And great guy. Thanks again for being on. But now we're going to get into our weekend of races here. You're going to start off with the short track. Quick snippet. Charlie raced in the Cup Light Series. He's the Marblehead. Been featured on the show a couple times. Originally finished fourth. But the driver who finished third failed for post-race inspection for weights. Charlie moved up to the third spot. Ooh, so wow, that sounds like a he's classic. He's in the points again. He's on like the podium again. Thing. Man, and I tell you, he's starting to, oh, man. I, I, he had a great race. But whoever that three car is, I forget the name. I wrote it down once. <laughs> Somebody needs to take him out because, holy cow, he's got a go button on that car. But fun to watch. Remember to follow that. South Alabama Speedway has a live feed. Go check them out. Every couple weeks, they race. Fun race. Just sit there, 20-minute race, watch it, fun watch. Going into a little more detail about Baku, it was a great race. Yes, From lights out to the checkered flag, it was an overall just a great race. Status quo up till five laps to go. Once Max Verstappen wrecked, everything changed. Every, yeah, the cards, everything was there. It and was. I, I felt like when you alluded to it at the start of the show and what you think, with the tire issue, I think it was just bad luck. Max Verstappen was doing everything right, but that's just racing. Bad luck either strikes you or strikes someone else. Someone's going to have it. Yeah. And unfortunately, he had it. And I feel bad for Max because he's been running real all season. And at that point, I felt like this is Lewis Hamilton's chance to put a buffer between him and Max. This would, If the end of 2021 happened, 
Lewis Hamilton might win the championship again, but at this point, we don't know. Wins it and says, he, if you could point back in one race, and which would it be? It would be that. It would be Baku and that incident right, right. there. Because we saw it a few years ago with Sebastian Vettel hitting him. Sebastian Vettel getting docked points, and that was the changing point of the whole rest of the season. Max Verstappen cuts down that left rear tire, hits the wall, red flag. I mean, we're with five, within five laps to go. And I thought it was going to end under a safety car. That's but what they no, were debating they, for a while. And I'm glad the FIA said, bring him down pit road, stop him. We're going to stop, just like what NASCAR would do on the backstretch. Stop him on the backstretch. We're going to get this race in under green. Mm-hmm. Now, what I liked about that is coming out of that red flag, yes, they were allowed to change tires if they wanted the FIA rule, but they did a standing start. Yeah. And that standing start was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. It was, you know, it, it was it was weird that they were on pit road for so long under that red flag, and you can change tires, you can change the front nose. I think Lewis Hamilton's team did that. Did that? Yeah, they, they had, had a little, little issue. Bit of, it looked like a crack or something in the the front wing. But when they came for that standing start, and you see all the the smoke coming from the brakes on all these cars, but Lewis Hamilton's was just like Lewis Hamilton was on fire. It was like it was odd that for them to be on pit road for that long, and they have. You know the blowers and everything to help cool the brakes down, right? But they still come out there and they're just smoking that bad. And I was just yeah, like, it was pretty bad. I was like, wow, okay, this is a little interesting. But I guess we'll just see what happens yeah, when they get to just one. Wait and and see. he got a great jump off the line. Yep, and he beat Perez down to one. And I was like, oh, great, here we go. I was like, <laughs> this is. I was just like, man, this is just That's this exactly is just Sergio Perez's luck. Lewis Hamilton gets the jump that he wants. He's going to get out front on those soft tires, and that's going to be it. Nope. And, and <laughs> nope. I mean, it was just like, it was it like was the Roval years thing. ago where Keselowski and everybody just, just like, turn. nobody turned. And Lewis went to turn one, and he didn't turn, and he just went straight. And I was just like, holy crap. That and was, I was just the like, most beautiful oh, sight I have is, ever seen because, in a Formula One race. Because, like you said, when... Verstappen had wrecked, and I was just like, "This is where Lewis Hamilton makes this up is, the points." Yep. And in the like, in that like mere two seconds from the start all the way to one, and he took the lead, and I was like, "He's gonna win." Here comes the buffer, and then he went off the track, and I went, and I wasn't even thinking Perez at that point. I was just like, "Holy crap!" Verstappen's gonna keep his one point lead, <laughs> yeah. and it's just like, how yeah. is this even happening right and now? And I was so happy because when he went off, I was like, yeah, I was just yeah. like. But then it was such good racing wow. there with the final, what, four, three, four laps. It was yeah, such the two a great laps racing. Was, you, know, you had Perez up front, then Vettel takes second, and then Pierre Gasly and Charles Leclerc had a great for week. third. Yeah, great wow. weekend all weekend for Pierre Gasly, who finished third. Sergio Perez grabs his second career victory. And Sebastian Vettel back on top. Now, I don't want to count their chickens before they hatch, Aston Martin-wise. They, well, that was a weekend they you, needed. They, they needed. He needed. However, one race does not make a season. No, it does not. And Aston Martin still has yet to prove themselves, I feel, in Formula 1, but coming back into Formula 1. And Sebastian Vettel, it's a new team with him. Yes, he's a four-time champion, but he didn't produce all that well with Ferrari, and there could have been some background stuff with that for the Ferrari. But I I don't want to say this is Sebastian Vettel's back on top of the mountain because he's not. No. One race does not make a season and determine the rest of the season if – Sebastian Vettel is indeed back. He's doing it right as far as right now. But if, unless he doesn't, unless, unless he gets a few more podiums, I'm talking consistent podiums, maybe a fourth place here and there, third, third, second, maybe a win. Sebastian Vettel's not back for me. Yeah. So what was uh, 
And also, when that all that was unfolding, I remember thinking back to how you you were saying before. I think you and Charlie both said it. How it would be nice if F one had points all throughout the field. Yeah. And so when that happened to Lewis, I was like, "Oh, thank God they don't have all the points all <laughs> through the field." I thought that too. It's like no way. But then that negated what happened with Max Verstappen. They got lucky. No really gain up there. So yeah, Sergio Perez gains a few points now, with that Red win. Will gains in the constructors. Yeah, they standings. took the lead in the constructor standings. However, as far as the top two drivers, Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton, nothing. No, it's like a wash. You have all this happening, but something that I was really just watching and just, I was... And Mercedes just of, had an abysmal week. Yeah, I was kind of in... It was just a little unbelievable to think, but, man, Botas just struggled. Yeah, he just had an abysmal week. It looked awful for him. He just, he couldn't stay up there. I mean, Hamilton, yeah, I mean, he went off the track, and that was but that, that was, was that, but Botas is just like... Botas qualified had awfully for a Mercedes to begin with, yeah. and then... We've seen it before. Botas gets stuck back there in all those dirt, the cars and the dirty air, and he just he can't do anything. And this should have been on what do you think. Did everybody find the chink in their armor? Because Mercedes, mentally, from Monaco to Baku, have not been clicking. No. They've had their worst two races since 2012. This is unfamiliar territory for Total Wolf, Lewis Hamilton, and Valtteri Botas. Are they in that turbulent air? Do teams know when to say, let's get them? I think this is the downfall. This might be the start of the apex, and they're starting to go down. I think this is the down. I think Botas is already on his downfall. Right. Because people, I just see it on Twitter and all he, the time. They're might, just like, dude, like what? A lot of people, Mercedes fans, are even like, why even have Botas at this point still? Ooh. Because I've seen a lot of people just seeing like, where the heck is this guy? It, it's kind of like a running joke. Like, one person keeps saying it over and over again the past couple of weeks because he's not up there. They're just like, once again, I ask, where the heck is Botas at? Ooh. He's just, I don't know if it's if it's him struggling. It maybe might be just, the team. It might yeah, be the team. you know, who knows? Maybe this is the turning point. Now, this might be. I mean, the, there's still like a said, lot left in the season, but. Yeah, and one race does not a season make. No, it does not. But, man, it's, what a crazy weekend crazy that was for see. Mercedes. Yeah. But the driver that stood out to me the most, Pierre Gasly's teammates, Yuki Tsunoda. Yuki Tsunoda was looking very Finished good. seventh. What a great run. Not giving an inch, giving it his all, doing a great job. That whole Toro Rosso team did an outstanding job this weekend. Great for the constructor standing. Both drivers in the points. Overall, how would you rate it? Nine. I gave it an eight. Nine. I gave it an gave eight. It, a nine. it was a great all-around race. It showed what street racing could be. It shows what Formula One could be. And I think, you know, a few years ago, I think... I would have said maybe a seven, but no, that, that was a, or a six, but a good overall eight for me for the Formula One race. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. 
go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Then we get to anything else for Formula One, actually. Before. Nope. I just, uh, nine because Perez wins, Vettel gets second, Gasly battled hard with the Claire yep, for third. It, it was a great Sonoda has a great finish. Great. Yeah. And for all those people that have been watching for so long, knowing that Lewis Hamilton's up front, we did not see Verstappen or Lewis Hamilton up front. Verstappen crashes out, unfortunately. Which well, Verstappen was up front for most yeah, of the race, but. But at no. the end, he has a tire failure, which sucks because. No, it did. I mean, that's got to be scary to just be driving at. Yeah, it was. Over 200 miles an hour, and then the. The wheel just goes, and you're just like, oh, crap, out of nowhere, and then that's it. You wreck. Yeah. And then, I mean, how crazy. I, I, just, I still can't get over it. Watch, thinking to myself, when Lewis Hamilton was just ahead of Perez, I was like, here it goes. And then he just goes straight. And I was just like, oh. That was just like one of the coolest things ever. Because no, I was just like, was. we don't have, we don't, we're going to see a different podium that we usually di- we never see most of the time yep. and it was it, it was, was cool it, to see Vettel get up there finally mm-hmm. and you know I, I alluded to on Twitter when Vettel got out of the car and he just runs and jumps into his team's arms and they're all just celebrating right then and there it's just like that's what you gotta love about F1 and that's what shows that F1 is really truly a team sport because he just runs over there and jumps into all the pit crew members and everybody and they're yeah. just all celebrating and th- that's really cool to see so. it was it was a lot of fun to see Eight for me, nine for you. Yeah. Great overall Formula One race. Can't wait. When are they racing this week in France? France in yes. a couple weeks. So, yeah. I'm a big fan of France. So, yeah, France is an okay. Track. We'll, we'll, we'll wait and see. <laughs> Xfinity race the BNL Transport 170 at Mid Ohio. I caught this on Series XM. Sounded like a abysmal day for Junior Motorsports, especially Noah Gregson. Like my eye racing at road courses didn't even make it past turn one, lap one. It seemed like the normal continuous rod front. AJ Allmendinger won his second race win in the 2021 season. Noticeable finishers, though. Andy Lally starting 27th, finishing 5th. Road course ringer, yep. like you have said in the past. But really, mid-Ohio, not the best racetrack for me. I mean, it was good racing. You know, it was good for what it, it was. It doesn't sound... I mean, I didn't get to catch the race. I just totally had really? forgotten. And I, like I said, I listened to it on, on the radio. And they tried... I mean, to me... Road courses are my thing as it is with NASCAR. So seeing that was just kind of much, ah, man, I don't know about this. And I kind of judged it before I actually watched it, which you shouldn't do. Decent racing all around. AJ Allmendinger winning again on road courses. You can't stop him. He's the epitome of a road course racer in NASCAR. He's just got it all on road course racing. But overall, I gave it a seven. Again, not the best race, not the worst race, but a seven overall. Okay. Out of 10, how would you rate it? Or you didn't even watch it. Yeah, I didn't get to catch it. All right, well, we'll talk about something we could both talk about, and that is the cup race. Toyota Save Mart 350. We talked about it on race day. We got to keep a running tally of your race winning picks because once again, you did it, calling Kyle Larson the winner, third win in 2021, and not just a third win in 2021, another dominating show from Kyle Larson. And this is where I think. People were starting to cry. We need qualifying. We saw in practice. We saw something happen to Christopher Bell. Don't even know exactly what it was. Something that I feel like could have been caught during practice. People say it saves teams money. I think it will save teams headaches too because then you'll find those issues in practice. It's like, oh, something's wrong. It's like, oh, well, let's drop well, it. It's not only that. I think NASCAR is at this point thinking to themselves that maybe NASCAR stuck in this thing where they think maybe that just unloading on the same day is going to make it exciting. But... When you start doing this whole unloading the same day and then you go and base the starting lineup 
you go and base a starting lineup off of a formula of how you finished the week yeah. before. And the reason I picked Kyle Larson was because he starts up front. And out of road course where they haven't been to since 2019 anyways, Sonoma. Yep, you're right. The guy that gets out front doesn't have to deal with all that traffic, so he can figure out the course himself without having to deal with everybody around him. No, you're and then right. you have all these guys in the back that maybe like a Christopher Bell, who is, yeah, his issue was internal, but he's never raced at Sonoma, other than maybe racing in a simulator. He's got to deal with figuring the track out, unloading on the same day, and then with all these other cars around him. No, it's you're just right. Like, and that's, that's why right. I picked Larson, because he's out front, he gets to figure everything out right away and doesn't have to deal with all that. And I don't know. I just, like you said, you can figure out <laughs> you headaches figure. with practice and qualifying. And I just, I don't understand how we still have yet to really get back to that yet. Well, I tell you what, you, you nailed it out of the park again, hit it out of the park. Hendrick, another one, two finish dominating. These guys are on a roll and I don't know when they're going to stop. They might not stop till 2025 at this rate. They're going so Crazy. this will almost be like that but, time Jeff Gordon won like eight out of nine weeks in a row or something like that back in the late nineties. I think it was. It was like seven or eight out of yeah, nine but, races in a row. But what are other teams now going to do to beat these guys? It's going to be tough, no. especially the teams of Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott, who finished one and two. Now the second week in the row. Yeah, they'll be up front again. You know, you look at T Rivers. My pick to win was Martin Truex Jr. He and finished, he came through the field. He finished third. I thought, okay, maybe I have a shot, but. He even said in his post-race interview, nobody could touch five cars. Nobody could touch the five car. Chase Elliott, no one could touch the five car. We have the same equipment, but they're hitting on all cylinders, mm -hmm. and we are down on one. I'm paraphrasing that. I'm just filling in the blanks here. He didn't say that. It's going to be tough to stop them. I think they're going to try some stuff here at Texas for the All-Star race that may be beneficial for them for their appearance in Texas. We're going to another road course after Nashville. Could we see another Kyle and Chase Elliott show? Maybe you know. I think so. I'm I'm curious. I need to go back to our previous episodes right before the season started, where we said we came up with our list of who would make the playoffs. I think and we're I think mine to... is looking pretty good so far because I did say that <laughs> Kyle Larson was going to look pretty good this year, and now they finally found that niche. Yeah. Look out. Yeah, I don't know how my list will stack up to <laughs> yours. And I'm so embarrassed because I'm the NASCAR guy. You think I know, but apparently I'm just good at taking photos of NASCAR races and not calling anything. I don't know. Noticeable finishers, though. Ross Chastain finishing seventh after starting 29th. Great run for him and his teammate, Kurt Busch, and those Chip Ganassi Chevrolets. They need those good runs, and they're producing it now. Ross Chastain now has his third top ten of the season, which is more than Matt Kenseth had all of last year in the same car. Yep, Great to see that. Another noticeable finisher, starting 18th, finishing 11th, Eric Jones. Very good run in that Richard Petty Chevrolet. That team needs a great run. He's doing what he needs to do. I think he's doing a good, having a good production this season, running well and doing everything he needs to do for that team. Overall, eight. It was oh, a good race. I think the Alfredo spin, was it Alfredo there at the end that brought, brought out the last caution? Uh, he ran into somebody. It there was, was a lot of stacking because it was well, him that, well, after the, front row had a, I mean, they were there at the end, but then yeah. with Alfredo getting caught up and then McDowell, I think got turned by um, Suarez. I think Suarez ran it into 11 well, too hard. Well, I, I mean, McDowell was on track for another top 10 finish. Yeah, I he had was. Him. But then, you know, it, it, the last caution there, I think it was Alfredo who stopped on the track and waited a minute to refire. I think that was an unnecessary last minute caution which 
drivers like Chase Elliott and Martin Truex Jr., Kyle Busch, their eyes opened up a little wider, but then Kyle Larson was just on the rail. It didn't matter how many cautions they threw out there at the end. Nobody was going to catch Kyle Larson because unless Kyle Larson messed up, which that rarely ever happens. But it was interesting to see overall, again, an eight. It was a good road course. It was good seeing Sonoma back, let's say yeah, that. And yeah, with fans, good seeing not a virtual guy on the screen saying, giving the command, not good seeing the national anthem not on screen and the invocation not on screen. Everybody was there. It was good to see that in California nonetheless. Yeah. Great to see that. How would you rate the race? Six. Oh, jeez. <laughs> okay, I got to understand because why? To me, it just it didn't seem like a very good race. I mean, like... like Again, well, to me it did. We well, have, I mean, but no, to you it, to it was. To me, not really, because okay. So again, like I said, I'm gonna loot it, and I'm just gonna go on the soapbox. It's too long. It lasted way too long. We didn't need stages. Kyle Larson dominated the entire time. There wasn't as many battles as I thought there would be. There were just, been a bit of battles. Yeah, there may have been, but it just, like I said, if we wouldn't have had the stages in there, I think, I think strategies would have played so much into that that we would have had just like this finish with all these different drivers finishing all over the place, and I would have liked that, but. Again, with no qualifying, no practice, and you have these guys up front that when the green flag drops, they just go and that's it. Right. And it just, you know, I just, it just, again, I'm tired of sitting through these three and a half and four hour races that should just not be that long. I just think it's just way too long somehow. You finally know my pain from all those Formula One races saying, how can you rate it a four? And I said, well. But you only have to sit through <laughs> it for like an hour and a half to two hours. Oh, right. You're, you're right. NASCAR races one. are just becoming like a marathon. And I just. Well, that is. That's the beauty of NASCAR. S- They're a marathon. I know, but I just. I don't see how NASCAR can be okay with this right now if we're just unloading the same day and them thinking, this is going to be exciting. And it's really not. That we're unloading the same day. I just maybe NASCAR will finally figure it out. I don't know. Yeah, maybe, but know, but it just did. Yeah, race of the weekend. What would you give the race of the weekend to? Baku. Baku. Easily. I give it to Formula One as well. The second time in a row that we gave it to a Formula One race. Well, that I gave it to a Formula One race. I don't think there was one last week when I did this show solo. Thank you, Preston. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> Upcoming races. We got the All Star race this weekend. On Sunday, June 13th, the All-Star Open will start at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And the race itself, the All-Star Race, will start at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Both races on FS1. Always a fun thing. Again, I wish the Gen 7 car would have made its debut there. I think it would have been beneficial for NASCAR to do it. That's neither here nor there. It's not happening. All-Star Race this weekend. Double-headed for the Truck and Xfinity Series from the Texas Motor Speedway. Xfinity Series will be racing Saturday, June 12th at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on FS1. And the Truck Series will be racing same day, Saturday, June 12th at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Both races on FS1. No Formula One race. IndyCar, the Chevy Detroit Grand Prix. It's going to be a doubleheader. Both races are going to be 70 laps. Race 1 will be Saturday, June 12th at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And Race 2 will be... Sunday, June 13th at noon, both races on NBC, 70 laps, quick expectations for the Truck Xfinity Cup and IndyCar race. The cu- Oh, the All-Star race? The All-Star race. It's just going to be a fun night of racing. No, it's not going to be fun at all. Okay. Well, I, you- think all these, I think all these different, um, they haven't broken down oh, like six I stages. For- I forgot about that. All these like. Let's just say it'll be interesting to see. I'm looking forward yeah, to it. Yeah, this will be really interesting. I, hopefully my cousin Ross goes there. I think he'd have a lot of fun. He just, lives in the Dallas when I, area. When I read all this, the stages and 
especially like the last three, how they're like doing all these inversions and all these like it seems like you need a PhD to figure out the way well, this is gonna work. I'm just <laughs> like this is this is just a little bit ridiculous. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait and see on that. Xfinity race from Texas, always fun to race at Texas. I think overall, no matter what series is there, I think all races are gonna be fun. All star race is gonna be checkers or wreckers. The Xfinity race is gonna be fun to watch. Watch out for Justin Allgaier. He always runs well there. And all of Junior Motorsports, Sports, but my money's on Daniel Hemrick. I want to see him win this season really bad. Truck Series, normal people out there, Sheldon Creed and all those guys. But that's always a fun race, the Truck Series race. IndyCar race from Detroit, doubleheader. Should be fun seeing Jimmy Johnson back on track. I want to really see him win. The, he's talking about running the Indy 500 next year. I would love. I want to see. I, him I want do to see well. him do that. I, I want to see him do well in general. But ho- hopefully, if not Saturday, he figures it out Sunday. Does well then. Look for both of those races on NDC. I can't wait for those IndyCar expectations about the same for you. Yeah, I, I'm definitely going to have to make sure I catch the uh, the IndyCar races this weekend for sure, especially with it being a doubleheader. Yeah, it's a doubleheader. Cool. It's going to be one, two, three, four, five point five races. I say open is not even a race, I'm, but 5.5. Here, here's, here's, I'm also going to say something about fun. this all-star race. I'm hoping that maybe I can... Um, do some reverse psychology, and I'm just going to go out and say it that I think it's going to be an awful weekend, awful All Star Race weekend, and I'm hoping that me saying that now well, you set will change for, it. Well, you set yourself up for failure when you do that. No, I, I don't care if I'm setting myself set up, setting myself up for failure. I mean, I judged it off of when they first presented the format, and I was just like, this is just unreal at how stupid this looks. Yeah, I forgot the format. I, know, I understand that down, the All Star Race is for you know we trying all these different things, but it's just I just a fun I feel racing. like. Here's what I say about that. Except for what it is, a fun night of racing, and that's it. I don't think it's going to be a fun night. I think it's going to be a fun night. The last few All Star races have just not, it doesn't seem like fun anymore. It's going to be fun. I think whoever's going to be out front to start is going to be the car that's going to dominate. Let's just say this. I don't know if we're going to have a race day on this or not. I I highly doubt it. It's an All Star race. It's probably not going to be a race day about this. But Nashville is going to be fun. That's all coming up here soon. That's going to be fun. Or Pocono. Wait, when's uh, Nashville is the twentieth, and Pocono will be after that. Okay. Yeah. I don't even know the schedule yeah, yet. Yeah. So we got the All Star Race for for the Cup Series at least. We have All Star Race coming up this weekend. That's right. Then Nashville, and then after that, we'll have a doubleheader at Pocono. Because we so. were supposed to go to Pocono, but that's we're, right. Darn it, that didn't work out for us. But anyway, anything else before we get into our final thoughts? No. Before we wrap up today's show, I wanted to take a moment to remind everybody out there and in the Marbles Nation about our partnership with Fanatics. Fanatics is a proud partner of the Unhinged Sports Network, which we here at In the Marbles are the voice of racing. If you head over to InTheMarbles.net under the Partners tab, there you will find a link to Fanatics, and it'll take you right to their NASCAR store, where you can find all your favorite drivers' hats, t-shirts, diecast, and more. But you don't have to just stop there. I buy all my Alabama Crimson Tide gear there, and Preston buys all his South Carolina Gamecock gear there as well. All purchases help out the Unhinged Sports Network bring you the best sports coverage 24-7 at unhingedsn.com. Make sure to head over to the Unhinged Sports Network to listen to your favorite shows, not just in the marbles, but all your sports podcast needs such as football, basketball, hockey, and yes, racing. That's unhingedsn.com. White flag, white flag, white flag. One lap to go, one lap right here. Final thoughts here on this very fun, very exciting episode of In the Marbles. Thanks again for Chris Hacker for being on the show. A lot of fun. Best of luck in your career. Looking forward to watching it. It's going to be 
something else i feel i, I have a feeling right here it's gonna <laughs> it's gonna be something in the marbles 2.0 standings guess who's back out front yeah this is gonna be my least part of the favorite part no of the show this is this the point. best part of the show <laughs> matt camper had a strong show in there at sonoma jumps back in the lead with 2983 points we're about to break into that 3000 mark here yep. but here's what's interesting smr r&d second s blades third you're now fourth. I'm fifth. Smoking Woody. He's coming out of nowhere because he jumped to sixth. Charlie seventh. Chuck 83, 84, I should say. And the guy who had the most abysmal weekend of the weekend, unhinged racing, one point. Whoa. One point. What? I, Jim has no bragging right. He can, he can say oh you don't know God. anything about sports whatsoever. Well, at least I finished. Not with one point. Wow! In the whole race, it's like one his, it's like his point. driver he had finished last. I thought that I did awful, only no. scoring ninety eight points because McDowell got spun out at the end. Well, Charlie dominated the weekend with like two hundred and seventy eight points. He Jeez, just dominated the weekend. Did it, and point. and how he's still in seventh, I have no idea. But Charlie is in seventh right now, and Summers racing in the final ninth spot. With 2,091 points. The last three, I believe it's Bun 3. I think your brother's in there. Uh, 43 and me. They're not even scoring anymore. So now it's just nine of us racing. Folks, this is for a $100 Amazon gift card. No purchase necessary. $100 Amazon gift card. What do you got to lose? Exactly. And I guess guess three of them said, well, I got plenty to lose because I don't care anymore. (laughs) I'm not going to catch up. And one of them being your brother. And what else we do on the show here, if this is your first time, we do a driver of the week in this week in NASCAR. And our driver of the week, I guarantee you never heard of him. Maybe not. Greg Persley. Nope. Never heard of that. He is a ARCA driver, mainly known for his K&N Pro West series and has a few runs in the crap in the Camping World Truck Series as well. I keep trying to say Craftsman Truck Series. That's okay. This I used to say Craftsman Truck Series I missed for the that. longest At Craftsman time. Truck. Yeah. I watched one of those races. Just like I, with the Xfinity Series, a lot of people still refer to Bush. it as the Bush Series or the Nationwide. So, yeah, I still refer to it as Bush. But he was born January fourth, nineteen sixty eight, in Newhall, California. Made his debut season in nineteen ninety nine, and currently races for Gene Price Motorsports. 87 career starts, 11 wins, 14 poles, and his best point season, twice winning the championship in 2011 and 2014. Previous series, the AutoZone Elite Division and Southwest Series. Four races in his truck series career over two years. The 2010 Lucas Oil 200 in Iowa was his first race. And the 2011 Lucas 150 at Phoenix, with one of those being a top 10, or one of those four races being okay, a top 10. Yeah. So that's your driver of the week, Greg Persley. I don't think I've... Uh, no, I've never heard of him. heard of him. And that's why we do this. Yeah. To introduce why. you to stuff like that. This week in NASCAR, going back to 1981, June 7th, 1981, Benny Parson edges Dale Earnhardt to win at the Texas World Speedway. Only 18,000 spectators turned out to watch the race at the track, because of financial troubles limiting the capacity. Huh. Financial troubles at Texas World Speedway limited the capacity to only 18,000. Texas and World that's, Speedway. That's yep. at two-mile Michigan 
Logan yeah. Track in the middle of Texas. Now they have a bunch of cars that just now sit they just there. have a bunch of. Big pro- I think they're from hurricanes and stuff. But yeah, Preston, man, I, I got to give one more shout out to. I got to get say one more thing that I mis- failed to mention at the start of the show. This week, this past Saturday, my wife Caroline and I celebrated our eleventh year anniversary. That's awesome, man. And so, yeah, man, eleven years. I don't know what to say. She's. I say two words come to mind with her, and I sure if my family's listening, they'd understand these words more so than ever. Maybe you, patience and understanding. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Did you guys go out to eat? We we played golf, and then okay. we went out to eat at this place on Ashley River Road called Middletown Plantation. Middleton. Oh, Plantation. Middleton Plantation. Yeah, Middleton. Yeah. Great place. Let's say if you're in the Somerville, Charleston area, go there. And make sure it's a special occasion. Middleton that's, Plantation. So I'm going to say. That's off of. Uh, Ashley River Road. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I think I know where it's at. I've heard of it. But yeah. Okay. That's nice. But uh, thanks again for showing up. Fun episode. Thanks again for Chris Hacker coming on to the show. Great episode. And Preston, you have anything else before we wrap it up? Nope. Nothing else. I'd like to say if you this is your first time listening to the show, make sure to subscribe to us on all podcast platforms if you like it just stay tuned and up to date on everything we have a youtube channel as well in the marbles weekly racing podcast on youtube make sure to check that out and we're also on the unhinged sports network every thursday morning uh if you missed us on your regular podcast platform cast us on the unhinged sports network but anything else before we wrap it up here nope all right. Again, thank you everyone so much for tuning in to us this week here at In the Marbles. Follow In the Marbles on all social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. All of them can be found here at the bottom of the screen on YouTube. And they can be found everywhere, all links to social media platforms at inthemarbles.net, where you can find everything you need to know about the show and past guests and everything you just need to know about the show. That's right. Pretty quick and simple about that. Mm-hmm. For Preston Lude, I'm Matt Beamer. Thank you again so much for tuning in to us this week. Stay safe and have a good rest of your week. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.